fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones. On every episode we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and we discuss whether said game stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Mahern and joining me on this episode is a man who isn't even getting paid for this. It's Adam Carroll. Good evening. And alongside him is a man that thinks he's in a bad spy movie. It's Josh Wise. Hello. None of those things are true, of course. Adam getting paid very <laughs> handsomely. Of course. Josh knows the difference between dreams and reality. But all will become clear as we move along. But before we chat about the game we're discussing today, we do need to get into the right headspace. And that means looking at what was happening in the world on and around the date today's game came out. So lads, grab your party hats, your blowers, confetti and what have you, because tonight we're going to party like it's March March 23rd, 2004. So about a week or so before this date, millions, and I mean millions of people, tuned into Channel 4 to watch the final episode of Sex and the City. And of course, as we all know, that was the end of the story. There was no more (laughs) ever. They let sleeping dogs lie and that was that. Go out on a high, you know, stay classy. Exactly. (laughs) A couple of days later, on the 29th of March... The Republic of Ireland became the first country in the world to ban smoking in all workplaces, bars and restaurants. Jesus. We were blazing a trail. Yeah, we were the first indeed. So suck on that world. (laughs) (laughs) About 10 or so days then after the game we're talking about today launched, A huge scandal broke when a glamour model named Rebecca Luce gave a tell-all interview about her affair with English footballer David Beckham. Mid-2000s drams right there. In music, dominating the American charts, it was in fact its fifth week at number one. And also it was number one in the UK. It was... Ludacris, Usher, and for me, the star of the song, Lil John with Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's another dark situation. You really need to hit, because the, there is an exclamation mark in there. So, you know, you really need to hit it. In movies, the number one film in America was certainly an event. Uh, it was seen as an important film by some and sort of torture porn by others, maybe. It was. The Passion of the Christ. Holy mother of God. Well, exactly, Adam. Spot on. Um, (laughs) Son of God, I suppose, really. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the UK, the number one movie was something that was also seen as a very important film by some. I think I know what it is. 
Is it Starsky and Hutch? It was the comedic reboot yes! of Starsky and Hutch. Yes, the first 15 rated film I ever saw in the cinema and I was not old enough, but my uncle devised a method of sneaking into the cinema and that was the film that we tested it on. Are you able to reveal the method? Yeah, it's not terribly glamorous. <laughs> so the cinema has like screens one to eight one way and then screens nine to whatever the other way. It's, got to be, it's sort of got to be a multiplex for this to work really. And you find out a movie that's playing at the same time as the movie you want to see, but that's of a suitable certificate. And the ushers rip your tickets, but they rip your tickets at like the main door. So then you just walk into the movie that you actually want to see after they've ripped your tickets because their back is turned to you. You just walk into the other one and the rush was unbelievable. I didn't even care about the movie. Although actually the movie was quite funny. It was a funny, it was all right. I didn't, didn't mind it. So that is what was happening around that date and a bit of, you know, bonus Josh Wise lore as well for you. <laughs> but now let us look at the game we're going to be talking about today in a segment we like to call Back of the Box. So yes, the game we're talking about today is Far Cry, the original they're up to six in numbers now and many spin-offs, but we are talking about the original. And there may be some people wondering, what is Far Cry? You know, I've never actually played one. I've certainly never played the first one. Well, let me tell you, the first Far Cry is a first-person shooter on an island full of angry men, angry monkeys, and <laughs> angry monkey men. And that's, that's, that's pretty much it, really. Yeah. The, I have some platforms and release dates for you as well. This, well, I should specify, Far Cry, the game we're talking about today, only came out on PC. And it was released in North America, 23rd of March, 2004, and it was released in Europe a couple of days later on the 26th of March. Now, a year later... On the 27th of September in North America and the 30th of September in Europe, 2005, Far Cry released on the Xbox, but it wasn't this Far Cry. It was a remade version of this Far Cry called Far Cry Instincts that was developed by Ubisoft Montreal. And it has the general gist, I suppose, of this Far Cry, but it is quite different. It's kind of a remake, a reimagining, a remix. It's a remix. It is. Um, however, I suppose people did eventually get to play the PC game 10 years after it came out on consoles as a HD version that was called Far Cry Classic came out on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 on uh, the 11th of February 2014 in North America and a day later in Europe. Although that one is fucked. They ported it from CryEngine into the Dunia engine and, it, and, it, and none of the objects are like interactable or physical in the game. It doesn't have any of the... And like they had to build walls so that you couldn't see the vistas because apparently the PS3 and the 360, despite it being 10 years later, still weren't powerful enough to properly render the full environments. So Far Cry Classic is like shit. It's like, like literally Far Cry is a PC exclusive. Yeah, it was fair enough. So let's look at the back of the physical box then. And what we have in front of us here is the back of the PC box in both of our nations and also Scandinavia. And there's some real delights in here. <laughs> so at the very top of the box, it says, immerse yourself in the ultimate next generation FPS which I'm well on board with. That's yes, great. let me immerse myself. And there are four different screenshots. 
And some of them are... Ah, the one on the right is glorious. Well, please, please, Adam, please tell tell the listener at home which, which one you're talking well, about. Well, it's just the one with Jack coming in hot in his uh, Jeep and absolutely <laughs> blowing the fella into space. Uh, yes, of course, our protagonist Jack Jack Carver <laughs> just running over an enemy with his Jeep. The ragdoll physics is incredible. The, the tagline being master an arsenal of cutting-edge weaponry and vehicles to overcome the odds and unravel a deadly conspiracy. Uh, my favourite thing here, though, is probably in the bottom left uh, screenshot where there's just a couple of enemies around with guns and whatever else. Uh, the text reads, fight perceptive enemies who adapt and improvise their tactics according to the given situation. Now, it's... <laughs> keep that in mind as we go along. Yeah. And I'm not saying... Usually when I'm saying something like that, I'm like, oh, because they got it completely wrong. No, they are spot on. And if anything, they should have hammered that home even more because these enemies are ludicrous. Uh, Something that we do from time to time is we look inside the manual. Now, a lot of this I don't really need to go into because it's... We're going to be covering a, a lot of it anyway, but but there's one uh, I did like. So in the manual, there's a section called Playing Far Cry, main characters, and it just shows each character and there's a little bit of a blurb on each of them. But the only one I wanted to talk about, because we're going to talk about the characters, there's a render of a baddie, of just like one of your regular baddies, and it says mercenaries, right? Little army man there dressed up, ready to go. And the text under mercenaries reads, Hired goons trained killers they aren't paid to ask questions scum of the earth (laughs) ouch (laughs) so this is usually the part of the show then where I recap the story for you and this one is oh this is unbelievable so some claim that Far Cry protagonist Jack Carver left the Ocean Patrol in search of a new life. Others, that he was ousted against his will. Whatever his reasons, Jack now goes where the currents carry him, transporting tourists and small cargo among the remote islands of the South Pacific. But when a fetching journalist named Valerie Constantine hires him to escort her to an uncharted island in Micronesia, his sun-drenched life takes a chilling turn. Heading for a carefree utopia of white sands and crystal waters, Jack and journalist Valerie instead discover a jungle-turned-battle zone. So everything I just said there was from the manual. Because the game communicates the opening of this game's story quite poorly. (laughs) It communicates an awful lot of its story quite poorly, but that opening in particular. If you're just playing the game, you would be forgiven for, for not getting... (laughs) <laughs> any of that <laughs> until you get in a little bit but I know it's something you want to talk about later Josh as do I the opening of this game is awful like like story wise it's communicated terribly but basically I'll pick this up here from thank you Manuel so the journalist Valerie Constantine is captured and you a Hawaiian shirt enthusiast Jack Carver you must save her from a group of 2020 vision having mercenaries that are on the island, right? And you're going to do that with the help of a man that talks to you through a PDA that has audio and visual capabilities. It's quite good. Uh, The man's name is Doyle and he is dead sound. Just a proper good lad that's going to help you on your adventure, no questions asked. He's also the head scientist on the island. So he tells Carver about a man named Krieger. Krieger is the boss of what's happening on this island, basically. And Krieger has all of these mercs 
that are here in order to protect experiments that he's been conducting on monkeys and chimps. And <laughs> what that is, is he's come up with a kind of magic potion that allows him to genetically modify creatures. So he can improve one's intelligence, speed, strength, etc., etc. And yeah, he's testing the, the primates. Also, Krieger has stuck a bit of his own DNA in the special sauce. Sure, yeah, sure. He's evil. Uh, anyway, the problem is, he went too far, obviously, and all these monkeys are now bloodthirsty bastards. Uh, and later in the game, you come across some that are human test subjects. Oh, dear God. These lads are called Trigen, and you're going to hear us talk about them quite a bit throughout. I'm fairly confident in saying that. They are most certainly memorable. So fast forward a bit and Jack Carver finds journalist Valerie Constantine and he discovers that she isn't a journalist. She's a CIA agent. Oh my God. She is here to investigate Krieger's operation because one, it's illegal and two, it's fucked up. And Doyle, the man on the PDA, he's also undercover for the CIA. Brilliant stuff. So... Jack and Valerie decide to split up to cover more ground. Uh, they might only do this like twice in the game, but it does feel like it happens loads. Um, but it's somewhere around this time that the Trojans are becoming a serious issue and they're rising up against the mercenaries that are on the island. So, for example, you might just be like walking along in a level and you'll happen upon the two groups fighting each other. It's not quite Far Cry emergent the gameplay, modern Far Cry emergent gameplay thingy, but it's like... A bit reminiscent of that, if if it can be reminiscent, I suppose, given the fact this is the fir- this is the first one. <laughs> anyway, story. So moving on a bit, Carver eventually discovers that Krieger has a nuclear weapon on the island in case things go south, and Krieger needs to cover up his tracks. It's a bit extreme, but effective, I suppose. Val and Jack track this weapon down and they want to detonate it in order to eliminate Krieger's backup plan. Val tells Jack something about it being okay because it's only nuky enough to take out a small portion of the island. <laughs> so I suppose it's grand. Things then really ramp up because before they set off the nuke, Doyle, the man on the phone, tells them to find some serum that should counteract any funny side effects from the nuclear weapon they're about to set off. So they find these injections and they take them. Perfect. So when the nuke goes off, it knocks out both of them and then they wake up on a helicopter with some of Krieger's goons and the man himself. Krieger's talking about how mankind has failed and his new chimp human trigen <laughs> species are going to be the dominant creatures and he's going to be the ruler of the world and so on and so forth. Then he kicks Jack out of the helicopter door and Jack, Jack falls what must be, I don't know, a hundred feet. At least. He survives yeah, the fall. Yeah. You know, he's he's a hardy man. <laughs> Shortly after then, Jack discovers that his arm is turning green and Doyle tells Jack that the explosion probably doused the air in this Trigen mutagen. So Doyle tells Jack to find Krieger and to just get a sort of antidote. So Jack then finds a weird Trigened up Krieger. Uh, he has a fight with him and then while Krieger is on his last legs, Krieger tells Jack that the only way the mutagen can uh, be administered is via subdermal injection. So, cast your minds back, guess what? The injections that Doyle told them to take, that is what's turning Carver green. <laughs> and also, Valerie, I've, I've neglected to mention she's, doing, she's going through all the stuff as well. So Doyle then 
we, we've learned he's turned on our two heroes. What a bastard. And he appears via a hologram thing. It doesn't really matter. Um, and Doyle tells them that he's going to sell the Trigen magic potion and make a load of money off it. Jack isn't too happy, obviously, so he decides he's going to track Doyle down and kill him. And he does. He tracks Doyle down and he kills him and he calls him a stupid bastard. <laughs> he's also got an antidote now. So he saves both himself and Valerie. And then the ending ending... Is, is weird. So Valerie's recuperating in bed. She turns her head to what's on the nearby kind of bedside table. And it's a large file with papers and CDs and whatnot. And there's text on the front of the file and it reads Project Far Cry. So is every Far Cry game related to the Trojans experiment. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's mismatched. It's one of those it's one of those ones where it's just, you know, uh, the name was called that, but we need the name to sell it, so it's it, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's your recap of the the Far Cry story. We've a lot to say about all these characters. Uh, Jack Carver more than any of them, I But suppose. just to just to sum up though for anyone, just if you want it in short, it's effectively exactly the same as the plot of the original ape escape except it involves <laughs> savage violence <laughs> easy oh, i can't wait to do ape escape <laughs> so the, de- the developer then of this one is crytek founded in september 1999 in coburg germany by turkish german brothers Farouk avni and Chavat Yurli. Their mother and father went to Germany from Turkey uh, with the aim to give their kids as good an education as possible. But as Chavat Yurli told Polygon in 2013 for their article, The Story of Crytek from Exile Through Redemption, he said, quote, I was known in school as the guy who missed the most days. I had the highest number of absences, usually Fridays and Mondays. Longer vacations on weekends. Yurli got friendly with another kid in school and both of them started collecting German computer magazines. This also got them interested in coding. And after Yurli uh, apparently ran out of games to play, he said, I guess I'll just start making my own then. And his very first was an uh, economic sim called Trade It that he coded for the Amiga. Explaining how it works, Yurli told Polygon, quote, You could buy a company, extend your company... And you could watch your company grow. Yurley saw one of his magazines were doing a competition then. Uh, My understanding is the prize would see the magazine highlight the best games that were made by readers. So he submitted Traded, but he was turned down. Not because it was rubbish, though. In fact, the magazine called him up and they said he should be shopping the game to publishers and not magazine competitions. So fast forward to 1994, Yurley is meeting with British Amiga publisher Black Legend Entertainment. At this stage, he's only 16 years of age. Little sidebar, it's wild with these developer profiles and how like, there's just so many just prodigies. Like these kids who are just like, you know, teenagers and they're making games. But uh, this meeting isn't for Trade It, no, it's for a fighting game called Mai Tai. Uh, apparently, the businessmen in the room were impressed with how much visual quality and fidelity this child had gotten out of the Amiga, and the plan was to hire Yurley. But then, sadly, Black Legend Entertainment went bust. Not to worry, though, as around this time, the Yurley family got internet for the first time, which allows Chavat to find some like-minded people who wanted to make games. So he does that, about 50 or so, from just all over. And together... 
they would be known as Crytek, C-R-Y-T-E-C-H. And according to that Polygon piece, they made three games or at least demos over the next few years. Javat then turned to his brothers, Farouk and Avni, as well as his sister's husband, and they provided the money to turn this thing, this hobby, I guess, into a legitimate operation. And then Crytek with a K, is born. So the brothers then head for LA so they can pitch Crytek's games to publishers at E3 1999. Farouk Yurley said, quote, We started from zero. We had nothing to lose. Either we get this from zero to the top or we learn something out of it and don't do it again. Supposedly, they had a nightmare on their American trip. They had visa issues, no hotel rooms, problems with E3 registration. Eventually, however, they did uh, get on the LA Convention Centre floor Still, though, as the brothers tell the story, they weren't being taken seriously. Uh, standing outside the NVIDIA booth, Chavat apparently shouted, quote, For fuck's sake, we come from Germany. <laughs> you, yeah, you, we, come, we come from Germany. You have to watch our demo. I mean, a risky strategy. A, yeah. a, a very yeah. risky strategy. <laughs> but the NVIDIA rep that was there organised an appointment... Uh, for 6pm that day and it was agreed that Crytek had 15 minutes to wow NVIDIA and they did wow them Uh, and so the story goes they ended up showing the demo for two hours NVIDIA were that enthralled they just couldn't get enough so the demo was created using Crytek's own engine the CryEngine and the demo was called Exile it was this tropical island with a ludicrous amount of trees a beach section dinosaurs roaming about the place it was unlike anything those at E399 had ever seen before it just looked incredible so NVIDIA offered Crytek a contract to ship Exile as a benchmarking software with every new NVIDIA card that was going to be coming out the following year. So things were starting to look up for Crytek. And now I'm not 100% sure on the timeline here. It gets a little bit muddy, but I think this is right. So at ECTS 2000, the European Computer Trade Show, Crytek showed a demo for a game called Engalus or Engalus uh, Behind Closed Doors. And according to a Polygon article from 2013, the idea was Ubisoft would eventually publish this game. That never happened, but by the sounds of it, uh, this game had kind of big Metal Gear Solid, Deus Ex, and maybe even cyberpunk vibes. Uh, It was a first-person shooter with RPG elements, but yeah, with this kind of sci-fi-ness to it. But yeah, it amounted to to nothing, basically. They were also working on a different uh, game, a sci-fi strategy game called Silent Space, that apparently had this deep combat system. Um, And I think they had one more on the go, but I couldn't find anything on that. So anyway, Ubisoft got Crytek to sign on with them to turn Exile into a fully-fledged video game called Far Cry. That's not what it was called at first, though. Speaking to Tech Radar in August 2021 for an article titled How Crytek Became One of the Biggest Names in PC Gaming, Far Cry's lead level designer, Peter Katevsky, said, quote, It was going to be called Trespass or something. It started as a dinosaur game. Nothing about mercenaries, nothing about mutants. Just an unnamed guy going to a dinosaur island. And according to Katevsky, uh, Ubisoft suggested changing the name to Far Cry and the team weren't keen. But, you know, they said, look, we'll just go with it, I guess. And to go into any more detail would probably be cannibalising what we're going to talk about later on. So that's the story of Crytek up until the launch of Far Cry. Although the only thing I'll add is that as well as Exile, and if I'm just if you're, it's not Exile, 
It's X dash aisle. It's like proper <laughs> early 2000s stuff. I believe there was at one point going to be an educational dinosaur game called X Isle Dinosaur Island. Uh, obviously, it was going to use the assets of X Isle, but it was going to be more about learning and less about murder, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, that's Crytek up until the release of Far Cry. The publisher of this one then is Ubisoft. But I think the publisher we've spoken about the most. Yeah, um, we, we, we've talked about a lot of Ubisoft games. And to get the story of Ubisoft up to this point, listen to our Assassin's Creed episode. We go in depth on their farming background there. And the thing is, uh, a lot of Ubi games, you know, they do fall under the stealth boom boom banner. So there's no point in chatting about other series as it is here that we're going to be covering at another time. So yeah, that's Ubisoft. Listen to our Assassin's Creed episode. The sales of Far Cry then. So as of 2010, only the original PC version of Far Cry has sold over two and a half million copies, according to Crytek. Now, 13 years have passed since then. So I'm sure there's a bit more, but that's all I I have for you. I have those first six years that it was on sale. The critical reception of Far Cry then, it has a Metacritic score Again, just talking about the PC version, just Far Cry. A Metacritic score of 89. Far Cry Classic on Xbox 360, the the HD version, has a Metacritic score of 58. And Far Cry Instincts, the weird, different remake on Xbox, has a Metacritic score of 85. And that is your Far Cry back of the box. So... We are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about the marketing and press coverage of Far Cry. But just before we do, I will tell you, dear listener, that you're about to hear a video. The only name I could find for this is Far Cry Official Trailer 1. It is the best trailer I could find for Far Cry. A lot of the trailers are just a bit wishy-washy. But you have a listen to this absolute masterpiece and then we will be back after that to talk about it. So yes, we'll be back in just a minute. A peaceful island paradise is about to become a brutal death trap. Jack Carver thought he'd left his military past behind. But when he's hired by a beautiful photojournalist to provide transport to a remote island, they'll be confronted with a deadly threat in the most unlikely of places. Now, Jack must uncover the secrets within a forbidden fortress and the powers of a radically equipped commando unit whose one mission is to stop him. Within a tropical oasis, he must withstand an onslaught of battle-hardened mercenaries by exploring a vast and unique landscape, using the terrain as his cover, an arsenal of deadly weapons, and every kind of transport you can imagine. Caught between the lush islands and the living hell, Jack is about to embark upon a mission like none you've ever seen. From Ubisoft Entertainment comes a paradise turned combat zone and a battlefield that's a far cry from anything you've ever seen before.
Alright then, let us chat about some pre-launch marketing for the video game Far Cry. And let us first talk about this incredible, incredible trailer for Far Cry. Far Cry official trailer one, as I said, uh, which was published on the 24th of February 2004. I don't know if this is definitely what this is called. <laughs> I can't find this trailer anywhere else. I just found it on GameSpot. Every other trailer, as I just mentioned, every other trailer is just kind of, that's not really worth mentioning. This thing is incredible. It's introducing the blockbuster of the summer. Yeah. yeah. In fact, a- a- any other trailer for any other game is irrelevant now next to this trailer. Is it Dodd LaFontaine? Oh, uh... Cannot confirm nor deny. Because it is that guy. It, or, or if it's not Don LaFontaine, it's someone doing a really good Don LaFontaine impression. But I miss that. I miss when trailers had the had the voiceovers. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. So good. In a world. It, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like It's building this game up like it is, you know, the as I say, there's this summer blockbuster and there's even mm. a part where... Um, <laughs> Jack Carver drives a, I mean, it must be a Jeep yeah. off of a cliff into a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. It's basically the screenshot on the back of the box on steroids. Can you actually take a helicopter out by running a Jeep into it in the game? Because you do fight a helicopter a couple of times and I didn't try it. No, I didn't want to be out in the open ever in that yeah. game. Anyway. <laughs> I wasn't talented enough to, uh, to to try that. Honestly, regarding this trailer, it couldn't it couldn't be any better to sell that game. It just couldn't be. Like if you see that on February twenty fourth, two thousand and four, I'm sure as shit, everyone went holy, holy god! I want to play this. Hundred percent. I think it's a hilarious trailer. It is, as you say, completely ludicrous. But um, it would completely sell me as well. However, a couple of years prior, and this is the only other piece of marketing that I have, and even to call it marketing is a, it doesn't really f- totally fall into marketing because there just isn't an awful lot of marketing materials that I could find. But the other thing I, I put in our doc here and I wanted the two of you to have a look at is the X-Isle benchmarking video. So this would have been May 2000 or 2001. I'm using a bit of guesswork, estimating a little bit here. But from what I understand and from what I've seen in my research, this was what, this was, you know, when they made the deal at E3, this would have been included. This uh, couple of minute video would have been included in NVIDIA's GeForce 2 slash 3 cards. And this is Far Cry before Far Cry. Uh, and like, you know, looking at it now, obviously it's a little bit jaggedy, a little bit, obviously, you know, there are plenty of games nowadays that look far more impressive. But still, I will say, coming up on like 25 years later, what they're rendering in this space, that's what's so impressive. Like to try and describe it, that's what it's just a flyover camera going through this jungle with tons of trees like an absolutely ludicrous amount of trees and it's all smooth and every now and again you'll see a stegosaurus and then it'll stop on like uh, what's the fellow with the long neck called? A d- Brontosaurus Is he Brontosaurus? Yeah. Drinking from a, um, a pond and stuff like it's you can see I suppose why people like NVIDIA Ubisoft and probably everyone else on the show floor at E3 were like wow Yeah it's nuts especially when you think like 
Snake Eater came out the same year and it's like jungle versus jungle. You can't really hold a candle to it. You know, it, it's the openness of it, which is there in this exile trailer. You just think, yeah, not only is it impressive, but like so much is being rendered right there in front of me. It still wows me now. This little trailer, I, I, I was like, Fucking hell, fair play to him, even now. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we have in terms of uh, pre-launch marketing. So let us move on to some pre-launch press coverage then and some some news and interviews around the game spanning years. I have stuff spanning about four years here. So the first article I wanted to highlight is from Eurogamer, posted on the 8th of September, two thousand. And the article just titled Crytek announces first games. So this is a a funny one, right? This game was going to be many different things at many different times. Here is an excerpt from the article, if you would read for me, Josh, please. Quote. The German developer behind the impressive tech demo, which NVIDIA were using to show off their GeForce 2 Ultra card at the recent ECTS trade show in London, has announced its first games. X-Isle is a first-person squad-based shooter, which forms the basis of the NVIDIA tech demo and features a single-player campaign, as well as team-based multiplayer modes. Like, that's what I mean. Like, the game is... Like, a few other articles here will kind of say how the game changes. Like, it's a squad-based shooter here. It, it changed quite a bit, it appears. But I guess, you know, over a couple of years. Another article here from GameSpot. The article is just Q&A with Crytek Studios, posted on the 15th of September, 2000. And in this article, Vice President Farouk Yerli was asked about the inspirations for X-Isle. And Yerli said, quote, Most people, and especially our guys, love dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, on the one hand, are very powerful and astonishing, and on the other hand, lovely and helpful. We watched almost <laughs> all kinds of dinosaur... <laughs> <laughs> we watched almost all kinds of dinosaur movies you can find. We took all the best parts and features and put them together on one project. Thus, Project Exile was born. Are dinosaurs helpful? And how many movies did you watch? What, yeah, which ones? We, was it just the Flintstones? We <laughs> got a little dinosaur vacuum cleaner. Was it? The Land Before Time, maybe? <laughs> I don't know how lovely they are in Jurassic Park, though. No, j- no. The television show, Dinosaurs, if you remember oh, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Little baby dinosaur in that was like great. Like Godzilla didn't seem sound. No, I didn't, did he? No. Another article here a couple of days later on the 22nd of September 2000, just uh, called Crytek Studios Interview, posted on Eurogamer. And in this, Farouk Yerli explained what the plot was going to be for Exile. And again, we're talking about at this point in time. So Yurley said, quote, The plot involves aliens being exiled from their home planet, arriving on Earth and recreating the extinct dinosaurs as warriors for their cause. (laughs) And the player's task is to remove them from the islands they occupy. What? Also, what cause? You got <laughs> you got exiled and you just crashed on Earth. Like, what cause have you got just to survive? Mm. It, madness. Love it. So fast forwarding a bit, two years later on the 26th of July, 2002, an article posted on GameSpot just titled Far Cry Officially Announced. So this was when the game, when X-Isle became Far Cry. And in this announcement, uh, Farouk Yerli, he was quoted as saying, quote, With Far Cry, Crytek will enter into a new dimension of the SPS genre. 
With more tactical elements and far advanced AI, Far Cry will give the player a total new feeling of gameplay. Wonderful. So like, I, I, I more kind of included that to just to show like it took, I guess, two years for them to land on the name Far Cry and perhaps land on something more close to what we played over the last two weeks. Another article here posted on GameSpot on the 24th of April 2003. The article titled Far Cry Q&A. And in this, producer Christopher Natsumi was asked for something that makes Far Cry distinct. And Natsumi said, quote, What we're most proud of is our mix of stealth and action gameplay. The player has a lot of control over where he goes, what he does, and how he chooses to attack his enemies. This is supported by strong stealth and action elements. Most of the game can be played either way, or in a crafty mix of the two. Uh, the game will actually respond to your playstyle because the AI enemies are designed in a systematic way. They will respond very differently to player stealth attempts, making them quite fun to play with. And look forward to us telling you whether all this is true or not in a couple of minutes' time. Another article here posted on IGN, an article for some reason titled Far Cry IQ Test. Uh, This was posted on the 30th of September, 2003. And again, we have uh, producer Christopher Natsumi on how smart the AI is. Uh, It's pretty much like a player. So Natsumi said, quote, Each AI unit has a full sensory system. They see and hear just like the player does. They understand what entities are objects and which are people. More importantly, they understand where in the environment they are and how these objects relate to themselves so they can work t- together against the player. This is the most critical building block to the whole system. Because our AI understands their environment in much the same way as the player, it is easier for us to have them replicate human-like interactions with the world. We will talk about the AI. We will fucking talk about it. <laughs> So yeah, we'll we'll talk about it in just a moment. There were a few things that I haven't put in our doc, but just very briefly, uh, I did find some articles where they were actually raided. The developer was, uh, I mean, while it was raided by the cops, because uh, in February 2004, on suspicion of illegal software use. Oh my God. Yeah, but it was kind of all, it was all cleared up the following day. So that's why I didn't include it. But they did, uh, I think it was Ubisoft. Uh, or or Crytek themselves who said that uh, the tip to police apparently came from a quote disgruntled ex-intern right but one other article I did have was posted on IGN on the 24th of February 2004 and it's just called Far Cry Scoop now uh, I've included this because it's a little bit of fun really Uh, it doesn't have much to do with the game (laughs) but it does have something to do with Far Cry so this was less than a week after it was announced that there was going to be a Far Cry movie directed of course by the director who directs many video game films or at least did like he didn't get the big job in directing like Super Mario or one of the (laughs) Sonics or whatever but Uwe Boll so he was going to be doing this and IGN claimed that sources told them who the writing team would be. Uh, and they were correct on that. It was going to be Michael Roche and Peter Scherer. 
Um, but I ha- there's an article here from the article that is just absolutely fantastic. So, Josh, please, if you would read this for me, please. Quote. We also asked if any actors were being considered for the lead roles of John, John, John Carver, not Jack, John Carver and Valerie Cortez. The source tipped that Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Naomi Watts are being hired <laughs> by the filmmakers, but neither have been approached. They're just eyeing them. I love that. <laughs> and them. sadly, neither of them were in the film either. No, no. Cinema's loss. Definitely, yeah. And also, you say they got Jack Carver's name wrong. They also got Valerie's name wrong. She's Valerie Constantine, at least in the game, I suppose. That movie is shite. And it it was uh, Uwe Boll did direct it, but that movie has a cameo uh, from Anthony Bourdain. Wow! Just I'm peppering in the factoids this episode. Yeah, there's one. There's one for you. Jesus, there he is. It says uh, Anthony Bourdain, scientist. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, it's one of his parts unknown dispatches to the, <laughs> the island in Far Cry. That is some pre-launch marketing and some pre-launch press coverage of Far Cry. So we are going to take a quick break, and then we will be back to talk to you about our opinions on this very game. So we'll be back in just a sec. All right, then, this is the part of the show where we actually tell you what we thought of the game we're talking about today. But just before we get on to that, I want to know your knowledge of Far Cry before you played it for this very podcast. So... Adam, why don't you start us off? What was your knowledge of Far Cry prior to playing it for this podcast or maybe at the time or anything like that? Would have always been aware of the game simply because of its visuals and the, the, the overall graphic thing that was there because it looked incredible when I first came across it. And in my mind, I was like, I will never be able to play this game because I will never have a PC set up to play it. It was one of those situations. I think, to be honest, like Crisis was a similar thing where I looked at Crisis and fuck, look at that. Can't play it. That's the way it was. But it always it was always a game that I definitely wanted to play. I don't know if it was for me. Like, I was trying to rack my, my brain and like, I don't know if I would have known this existed in 2004. Like later on, fair enough. I I would have become more aware of it. You know, mid-2000s, I had no desire to kill the Trijans because I wasn't really aware of the Trijans, I suppose. Josh Wise, though, do tell. You're, you're the, the Far Cry vet on the team. Yeah, I played it. I played it. And actually, I played my friend. Uh, he had a good PC, and it was one of those things when you're a kid, if, if you just know someone with a good PC, it's like the sort of stuff of legend really it's like oh my god (laughs) like they've got what and he didn't even have like a very very good pc but he had a pc where he was playing far cry on like above medium settings and i remember going around his house we had sleepovers like every friday and uh whenever when i went to his we would take it in turns die by die playing far cry one and it was my eyes almost fell out my fucking head it was it was i just couldn't believe the the graphics it was just magic even just watching him play it just moving the mouse in that game and looking at the world was just mm-hmm. yeah, stupid ridiculous but famously we never got very far it was incredibly difficult and taking it die by die and uh we we died an awful lot and it fizzled out but it was the first and only time i said have you got that new video game and i said far cry 
putting the emphasis on cry because when people say oh such and such a thing oh well it's a far cry from that or whatever mm-hmm. that's what you say right but it's weird because with the video game even to this day people put the emphasis on far and they always go yeah it's far cry like there's loads of cries but this one's far yeah and i was put right on that and i've never said far cry since but just one of those little foibles stuck in my head i mean the josh wise lore is just it's this episode is just brimming with it big big fan i'm just wondering is it was one of those sleepovers now did you have that conversation and was the parents of your friend going what the fuck is it on the room far 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 far, far. cry <laughs> cry 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 so, so i think i'm right in saying well first of all all of us obviously played the pc version i think all of us rolled back to the 1.33 version yes. of far cry yes i think it was 1.33 base and i'll explain why so the last update that ubisoft put out for far cry uh, i think it was uh, 1.4 i believe that, and this was, I don't know, way, way back, whenever it was, right? And that was focused on fixing something, I believe, in the multiplayer. Yeah. But it messed up things in the single player. Uh, what it did was it effectively made it so that enemies were able to see you through certain objects, like tents, I think, is a big yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and possibly it was just, in general, harder to remain hidden. So yeah, we rolled back, but like, that's all we did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if playing on 1.4 would have made an awful lot of a difference, but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss as we go along. Uh, but before we do that, for those of you at home who didn't play along with us and uh, dust off your copies of Far Cry, let me tell you what Far Cry actually is. So Far Cry is a first person shooter that takes place on a tropical island across 20 different missions. Unlike modern Far Cry games, though, the original isn't open world. Each mission is a self-contained level. And each level or mission often requires you to go from one point in the map to another point in the map. Missions will generally take place in two different types of environments, uh, sometimes mixing the two. It'll be indoor or outdoor. Indoors, you're generally a bit more cramped and it becomes more of a corridor shooter. However, in the outdoor sections, you do have more scope for how you'd like to tackle enemy encounters. You can, of course, use one of the many guns at your disposal to go all boom, boom. Or you can try a more stealthy approach by taking out your binoculars, tagging enemies, on your admittedly hard-to-read radar, and then you can take them out with a silenced weapon. And that's basically it. Or, or actually, I suppose we, we've made reference to it. Important note, you can drive cars and boats, and that's that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. good. So, so when I say it's not open world like modern Far Cry games, some of the outdoor bits are big-ish, you know? It's big enough to go for a little spin in the car. Or for a little boat ride, some of them. And that is Far Cry. So let us now give, give the listeners at home our, uh, our opinions of the game. And in our review, we split it up into different sections. We first talk about the stealth of the game. Then we talk about the boom, boom, which is the more explosive bits and just other gameplay bits as well. Uh, then we talk about the most noteworthy mission level or area that stood out to us. Could be good, could be bad, just stood out for whatever reason. Uh, then we talk about our opinions on the story. And then we have a little miscellaneous section at the end where we hoover up anything else that doesn't fit into any of the other categories. So first of all, the stealth of 2004's Far Cry. There's a few things to tackle when it comes to the stealth of Far Cry, right? 
And as a series, Far Cry almost epitomizes our name, our proud, proud name <laughs> of Stealth Boom Boom, right? In an awful lot of cases, you're able to tackle the situations however you like. In the original Far Cry, the game gives the impression that this is the case. But, dear listener, this is not the case. No, no, no. I mean, there are a couple of things that, as they say, to, 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 to tackle, I suppose. Um, we should maybe do it together. So, firstly, let's talk about how perceptive the enemies of Far Cry are. I mentioned the quote. Even the back of the box said, Our lads, their hearing and vision, absolutely top-notch. Jesus Christ. I think what they're going for was a very basic line of sight system. Like, sometimes that is the case, but that line, that line of sight is long. (laughs) It's difficult to sum it up in words, but if you're outside, enemies can see you from a great distances great great distances and when this happens you're often on the back foot wondering where these enemies are like they can see you from far away and they'll see you very quickly too i should say like they also yes have great hearing in far cry so i should say you can crouch and you can also go prone on your belly and in some situations i will say in fairness it does help but it's incredibly inconsistent like i vividly remember being indoors somewhere being on my belly and kind of caterpillaring towards a door only for the other i mean i'm crawling here now like i'm making no noise but what i hear then on the other side of the door is one of the guards go, did you hear that? Or worse to that effect. It's so, so infuriating. Overall, stealth for me in this game does not exist. I had an incredibly infuriating time trying to be all stealth, stealth. The whole way through, it just was driving me bananas. Now, here's the thing, right? The distance that, that enemies are, like, they, like, I sent you lads a photo in, a screenshot in our, our, our group chat of a lad across the way, all the way is over on a completely different island. Like, you couldn't see him unless you had, like, a scope or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm there, and I'm coming along, and I'm taking it handy. I'm like, all right, this is the start of a new mission kind of thing now. All right, let's go. And I appear like I'm not after like this I'm in this guy's line of sight I uh, half a second half a second and he's immediately roaring and shooting and hitting me and it's going all tits up for me right it's frustrating and it obviously then started making me realize do I have to be incredibly stealthy like like so unbelievably stealthy to to get through these moments because for the most part, whenever I tried, I failed within 30 seconds because <laughs> it was just like there was lads seeing me that I was like, where, where, where are you? Where, where are you? Where are you? Some lads would be shouting and they're like up high somewhere. And I'm like, I, how am I supposed to see that? Like, how am I supposed to notice these lads? And like, my issue is that it sells it on that. Like, we read a quote earlier that it was like, you know, the, the thing we're especially proud of is the mix of between stealth and action. And, you know, you can tackle things. Where, yes, future down the line in the series, correct. But this game, Josh, 
if you're seeing me from that distance, like I do, like whatever about realism, I'm playing a fucking game here. <laughs> you need to allow me some grace. Like, you know, if I'm playing Hitman, I understand like, oh, the joke, Hawkman takes them a second to realise the fellow with the barcode isn't <laughs> one of their work colleagues. It's like, because it's a game. It needs to a- a- allow you or it needs to have certain allowances. Yeah, I mean, I can, I, I, absolutely, it, it is, and, and it's a real slap on the slap on the wrist if you when you you're used to modern game mechanics, especially Far Cry's current game mechanics. But um, they are outrageously perceptive. The enemies. It didn't annoy me massively because I mean, it, it started to make me laugh. Actually, is what it is what it started to do because I, for a lot for big parts of the game, I just sort of embrace an action gameplay style. But but. I did find that it was it, it's really rewarding when you do manage to um to to get the drop on some people. There are some things that don't really make a lot of sense, but when when I talking of those video gamey silly silly things, but I did find for some reason when you're crouched, you seem to make less noise than when you're prone, which uh I don't know what sense that makes. Maybe maybe you sort of go, yeah, when you're prone, more of your body drags along the floor and makes a noise. Where I don't think that really works logically. But for whatever the reason, when you're crouched, you seem to make less noise. You can see your noise on the radar. It sort of ripples out. But I did manage to get a few um, kills with the machete. You find a machete that basically for the whole playthrough goes unused, frankly. But I sort of forced myself early. I was like, I'm, yeah, I'm really going to have a pop. Figured out that crouching was a little better. Figured out that foliage is actually useless. You you can't see your enemies, but they seem to be able to see you as though foliage was nothing. And you really yeah. kind of want foliage to be something, but it ain't. So stick to your physical buildings, wait for their backs to turn, crouch, walk up to them, knife them in the back. And for a few goes, well, yeah, yeah, I can kind of, I can kind of see this, but on the whole, more fun to embrace a bonkers action thing until later on. And I know you want to talk about that, Cullen. There's a certain couple of mechanics that come into play, which enable a different kind of stealth for later on. One of the other stealth things I want to talk about is the, Stealth-o-meter. Not stealth-o-meter. <laughs> they, they specifically, they have hyphens in there. I'm going to call it the stealth-o-meter. This thing is awful. Oh. Uh, I'm going to talk about your little radar that's in the bottom left in a minute. But either side of that is something that, as I say, the game calls the stealth-o-meter. And I think you're, uh, when you're underwater... Don't they have the breath o meter? <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure. But uh-huh. the this the stealth o meter is just a a bar that goes from zero, like just nothing, you don't see anything, to full, right? And it sort of swings upwards. Like so in theory, the more someone sees you, the more likely the bar swings to the top. It is absolutely pointless because it swings so quickly. <laughs> you you never have time to actually react to the bar filling up. It has the energy of Splinter Cell's visibility bar, but without any of the nuance. It is awful. It seems to just sort of tell you that you've just been spotted like you'll hear an enemy go oh there he fucking is let's go and kill him and then you look down and you see the stealth o meter it's exactly. just you just go oh cheers i could have used that but yeah i just like it 
yeah, utterly useless sort of seems to just be painted on to the HUD. It doesn't do anything but tell you that there's, you know, bad weather incoming. Yeah, uh, utterly useless. I wish it did work. It's sort of out of the way, so you don't see it. If there was some audio feedback or something but it's just not as you say you hear a guy go I'm gonna lay the smack down on you (laughs) and you look down and you go oh it's full yeah you see okay but the ripple thing now that that's actually more useful than the stealthometer your little your blip on the radar that's you when you shoot a gun or do something, you see a little ripple come out of that and that's how much noise you're making and you can sort of oh I just made a big again kind of silly because it's just like well, I just shot a desert eagle into the air, so that's going to make some noise. Oh, yeah, sure enough, there's a big ripple down on the thing. It's like not that yeah, useful, yeah. but, you know, more useful than the cell phone meter. Another thing in Far Cry, and I, I will say, like, I've always enjoyed this, and I enjoy it in the, in the original Far Cry. So this has become a staple of other Ubisoft games, and that is taking out your binoculars or your scope and tagging enemies. Yeah. And I just, I find it so satisfying just finding a vantage point in an area, you know, looking at a, in a more modern Far Cry game, looking at an outpost below you, zooming in with your binoculars, tagging lads so that then they'll show up on my map. Mm. There's just, there's a, there's a beauty to it in, in something that offers a, a stealthy approach. Like when you're tagging lads, it's, it's the calm before the storm, the, <laughs> You know, the the reconnaissance before you go in there and actually do the mission, I suppose. Always liked it. So, yeah, like Far Cry allows you to do that. And it works as you think it would. You take out a very high-tech set of binoculars. <laughs> you can zoom right in. The zoom on this thing is incredible. <laughs> and you can scan the area that's in front of you. And then the enemies that you've seen through your binoculars will show up on your little radar in the bottom left-hand corner. And handily, they'll have different colours depending on their state. So they'll be green if they're unaware of you, orange if they're suspicious, and red if they know you're about and they want to kill you dead. Every Everything I've described, like, so, so solid. But before I make my next point, Josh, I know you also enjoyed the the tagging of it's enemies, and-, it, no, no, and it is the it is yeah, actually because it's the sort of thing that definitely carried forward loads into the other Far Cries, and it in some of the Far Cries it feels a bit redundant, but here it's really really necessary. It's kind of weirdly empowering. It's it's the kind of the the, the twenty four times zoom on the binoculars is ludicrous. That. I don't know if that technology exists even now, let alone 2005, but uh, really, really cool. And also almost like a defensive thing in the, in this game. Like it makes you feel a bit like a, like a, like a predator, but also you sort of think, oh, bloody well, th- th- the environments are so, so big that you think, well, I'd better bloody do the binoculars just, just to make sure they're on my HUD. So I know, cause otherwise they're hunting you because you know that their eyesight is going to be ridiculous as we've talked about and you're just a, a normal human looking into a computer screen so you, so your eyesight is, isn't terrific so it almost becomes like <laughs> i have to employ the binoculars to try and stay alive which is a really interesting thing and in the later far cry games particularly three you know it's very much like well you do that to mark them on the thing and then you go and kill them and in part, that's what it is here. But actually, it's kind of a survival tactic. And that is really cool, I thought. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> or, or not, maybe. <laughs> well, look, like, I think it all works well until you realise that your radar in the bottom left-hand corner is just horrendous. Yeah. Like, it's, and I should say, excuse me, the awareness scope yeah. is what yeah. it's called in yeah. the game. Outstanding. Yeah. But it is putrid. In short, for those unaware, it's a circle with compass points written around the outside. So just north, northeast, east, southeast, blah, blah, blah. And in the, the, the circle, you'll see dots that correspond to the enemies that you've tagged, so the coloured dots, as well as a blue dot, and that's your objective. And if the objective isn't in range, an arrow will point you in the right direction. And I guess, yeah, in theory, it, it, it sounds like it would work, but it's just... It's it's too difficult to read. Mm. Like you have no idea of the terrain around you. It's not like a mini map or a radar in that sense. As the inside of the circle, the radar is just black. Obviously, apart from the enemies that you've tagged, you see nothing of the map. And talking about tagged enemies, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'd love to know if I missed something here. I don't think I did, but you have no way to tell whether enemies are on your level or whether they're on elevated ground or whether they're below you. You just see dots. There's no like arrow pointing up or arrow pointing down or whatever it is. Mm, I will say you will get a little bit of an idea as to how far away or near an enemy is to you um, in relation to kind of your dot in the centre and enemies' dots around you. But that's all the information this thing is giving you. Like if other areas such as enemy perception weren't so punishing, then perhaps this wouldn't stand out to me as much as it does. But like the shite radar map awareness scope only adds to the Far Cry stealthiness is shite narrative, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> but like, I know I, I can sense Josh, that those things didn't bother you as much. Uh, no, no, not so much. I, I mean, I, I, I totally hear you. I don't really disagree. It, it was it, a lot of it was uh, not so much about just tagging them on the thing, but also when you look in the in the viewfinder, you get the little. Uh, icons that pop up telling you where they are in the world, which was quite used just because, you know, it's just like, well, you just see them with your eyes. So you, I kind of, oh, there's three guys over there, like behind that bush. I can't see mm. behind the bush, but the binoculars, you know, so it's more, more like that. But yeah, definitely when it comes to marking them on the thing, uh, I'm in agreement there. It it were rubbish. One thing that isn't rubbish, the MP5. Oh yeah. I, I don't have to go too in depth here. Like if either of you do want to, great. But like, I'll probably talk about this gun when we're discussing our noteworthy levels. But the MP5 is just wonderful. It is the only gun in the game with a silencer attached. You can't attach silencers to guns. This is, this is the silenced gun. Yeah. And it's a submachine gun, but you can change the, the fire rate so you can shoot bullet by bullet. And without this weapon, I would probably have nothing good to say about the stealth, frankly. <laughs> like this gun in some of those outdoor bits allows you to actually have a go of playing this game stealthily. Mm. I think it is, is great. It, it does maybe highlight certain issues uh, in game as well when it comes to the enemies like an enemy as far as I can remember when I, if I used my MP5 on an enemy shot him and the enemy shot back 
the enemies around them wouldn't kind of notice it. But if I shot a loud gun, they would hear that. I think you're right. Yeah, it's almost like a... They, they know it's their buddy's gun, so, 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 so yes. they don't mind so it's, as much. It's fine then, yes. <laughs> but I did think that the the MP5 was uh, was very good. And also, I think at, at that point in the game as well, it was a lovely little combo with you get the MP5 and you also get the thermal goggles, which are just really, really yes. nice because that enables you to become much more of a predator. In fact, I would put them on even in daytime to just see enemies through the foliage. The foliage is the main uh, obstacle between you and your dreams and hopes and ambitions. And uh, the thermals, very good for that, especially with the MP5, a devastating combo. And those thermal goggles have the, to my ear, the splinter cell night vision sound. They absolutely do. I was watching an episode of the X-Files the other day and I heard that sound in an episode. Really? Yeah, I think (laughs) what it is, it's an old a camera with a flash like an slr thing as the little flash uh unit like recharges after being used once it, it does that flash and then you hear the little do as it charges ah. again i think anyway but yeah 100 percent the the thermals and the mp5 a, a devastating combo as you say another thing that's pretty devastating we've mentioned them a few times and maybe we will kind of go more in depth as we go along but it is the trigens our buddies our good friends the, the trigens, trigens. <laughs> yes little, little reminder the trigens are the the monsters of Far Cry, basically these the monkey men. simian hu- humanoid creatures. Well, some of them, not, some of them are more monster-like. There, there are a couple of different variants, I suppose. You have the kind of bulky, stocky lads who can leap at you from a couple of feet, and yeah, like two swipes or whatever, you'll be dead. Then there are the ones with the guns that can leap oh. the size of oh. buildings. Then you have you have Gross. the guys with the, the the kind of rocket launchers. They're called fat boys, by the way. The, the guys with rocket launchers. Voice. And then I suppose to tie it in with the, the stealth section, you also have the stealthy guys who have a sort mm. of solid snake bandana or no, was it the bandana? No, it was a stealth camo. It yeah. was the stealth camo. Sorry. Yes. Um, so yeah, you have the Trijans that just can, uh, with their stealth camo, go invisible. They've got the bandana as well because it's infinite ammo. But I just sort of think, yeah, if you've got a guy that one taps me, the kind of natural uh-huh. thing, you, you sort of go, oh, well, at least they're probably going to be quite slow and, and I'll just keep my distance. You can't then just give that enemy the ability to instantly cover ground in the blink of an eye. It's like, oh, yeah, mm. oh, it's the one tap guy. Oh, I'll, I'll run away. Oh, no, wait, no, he'll he'll catch me every time and, and fuck me. Yeah. Not not great. Once this this enemy comes into play, everything that we have talked about up to this point means nothing, in my opinion, because we just spoke about a silenced weapon. It's fucking pointless against this enemy. And to be honest, <laughs> when the Tritons come into play, they are brutal. Like, absolutely, they're fast. They come at you with, like, ferocious force. They take a lot of damage. It's you get you get overrun by them and then you end up kind of just having them everywhere in the game. (laughs) Once they appear, they are outside, they are inside. And I'll get to the inside situation in a while because I have a major, major problem with that. But like these enemies on top of all the other enemies that you're trying to deal with and they're unbelievable line of sight. (laughs) 
this just this just just all over the place now. It's just all over the place. There's no sense to this. Like one thing I didn't say as well, but when it comes to the like the human enemies at like camps and stuff, like that alone was also poorly done because they're always like together. Mm. Like it's rarely like that the enemies are kind of like doing this kind of like pact that you can read. So they're normally kind of all really closed in on each other. So you're kind of going, mm. I can't really kind of take them out one by one here. Mm. But then you're kind of like dealing with that. And then Tritons come into play and you're like, Tritons just see you and they run at you. And it's chaos all the time with them. Like, I hated this enemy. Like, hated them. I think the problem with the Trigens is that everything. Uh, it's a, it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit of everything. I remember that uh, someone was talking about difficulty. I think it was Jonathan Blow was talking about like difficulty in games and you know how to do difficulty well. And one of the things that he said was, it's it's it, he said it's very very easy to make a game difficult. You just you just turn the enemy's health up. You just turn the character's health down. You make their damage output massive. You know whatever. It's not difficult, but you're not making it difficult then in an in an interesting way. You're making it difficult in a very cheap way. And with the Trigens, it's really it's really funny because you see them and they're these big like lumbering monkey men. And you think oh that's funny. They've got these like nutty faces. And you just <laughs> I just I mean there's quite a face on them. I've quite a face on them and. Uh, uh, they basically sort of one tap you or or sometimes uh-huh. two hits if you've got full armor and you think to yourself oh right oh okay so that's that's obviously mad so the so the so the aim of this game is is to keep your distance like, like they're just constantly on top of you and for me all that comes to mind is what majority of the enemies say in this game and it's like back my ass and i'm just like <laughs> that's exactly how i feel about these fucking enemies they are dog shit and it makes all oh, the go wrong. <laughs> I get the whole, like, they had to bring him in, obviously. This is part of the story. That's fine. But it's like, it's completely unfair. It, one or two, okay. One or two in every scenario, that's manageable enough. Mm. There are situations where you are against four to five just standard human enemies, and then there's probably four of them, Trojans, and then another fucking Trojan with a rocket launcher, as you said, Cullum, <laughs> and you're just going, what the fuck? I'm just a lad in a Hawaiian shirt. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. I got so, so mad at one point in this fucking game with those enemies that I punched my fucking computer screen. <laughs> I rarely acted that way towards any game before, but I straight up like punched oh. it and I went, oh shit. And I was like, oh, is that all right? Okay, grand. But I just got so annoyed. It made you revert to, to your teenage Adolescent years. Adolescent <laughs> I was like, I need to see this game through. <laughs> Amazing. Well, do you know what? I think that's uh, everything we, we thought about the stealth because we're kind of bridging the gap anyway between stealth and boom boom. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about the more explosive parts and other gameplay bits of Far Cry. So we'll be back in just a sec. <laughs> This is the part of the podcast where we talk about the most noteworthy mission level or area that stood out to each of us. And we talk first about the boom boom. So when we say boom boom, we're obviously talking about the more explosive parts of Far Cry. But yeah, any other uh, gameplay elements of uh, the game as well that aren't stealth. So boom boom first, shooting. It's good stuff. I, I guess I can be a, a bit more positive here. Like I spoke about how the game has its stealth systems and they're not implemented well. 
But on the other side of it, like the boom boom is great crack. Like in 2023, mm. like there are, I don't know, 10 or so weapons in the game. There's a decent number of weapons. Um, and most of them provide something different like like each time i happened upon a new gun i was buzzing to try it out yes like uh the 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 oicw i think i think that was that gun Mm. i got that quite late i think it even comes in quite late but it's a gem like it's an assault rifle that helps you obliterate lads in close range but it also has a scope so you can pop lads from afar too like or you have the P90, which is a submachine gun, and that kills enemies like blisteringly quickly. Mulchism. Yeah. I think it was our Splinter Cell episode where you were claiming you weren't a gun pervert, Josh. And I know I know you're gonna perv on some guns I haven't mentioned in a minute, but I feel I should also clarify I'm not a pervy gun man either. But like Far Cry sort of does that to you. Like the, because because the punch these weapons have. It's just a delight. Like there's, there's just heft to these guns, you know. Yeah. Mm. And like as well as that, they're they're accurate. Like I guess there's a bit of an oddness when you boot up the game, because unlike say I guess the OICW, uh, the sp- sniper rifle, and is that it? I think, but like the majority of the guns you have, you can't aim down sights. Mm. So you're when you're aiming, you're like working off of a, a crosshair on screen. But it, it doesn't take too long to like tune into the aiming system. It it still works quite well. Mm. Again, yeah, great heft, great weight. Oh, it's like death. Yeah, love it. Uh, Josh, I know you're also a fan of death and killing. I love it. And in particular, a few guns that I deliberately haven't mentioned. Yeah, man. Good headshots. Big time headshots in this game. And uh, what it's with with the, the size of the environments, it kind of just makes accuracy just a real joy. You can be just stupidly accurate over great distance with underwhelming weapons. Um, my favourite weapon, I think, in the whole game was just the M4, which is just your basic assault rifle, like army issue assault rifle. But just because, firstly, it makes a really good noise and loads of the time in video games, they make the guns not loud enough. Like, it reminds me of that movie Heat, where they do the bank heist scene and the mm. guns are just like turned up to a level. Like, it's, yeah. And the one thing I always remember about that scene is, oh, it's deafening. Like, he actually did the guns properly. Like if, if someone fired a bloody assault rifle in downtown LA, it would be deafening for like blocks. It'd be really loud. And in Far Cry, it's like you fire the fucking M4. And I played on, I was on the Steam Deck and I had headphones on and I cranked up the volume on it and it's proper like loud fucking guns. But it was one of the only, I never do this in video games. I actually turned the rifle, or very, very rarely do it in video games. I flipped the little fire mode to like single fire mode, and where the M4 is just your standard rifle, not really the assault variety. Just because, just perching on a ridge and just clicking down to single fire mode and just going for these insane headshots over the what must be sort of 250 yards, 500 yards, and pulling them off and one shotting people who are just like across the map. You just don't really get that very much in games now, like hardly at all, certainly not in Far Cry. Um, Really, really mechanically satisfying. And doing that, it's funny how now we look at this and we sort of say, oh, it's, it's not really an open world. And it's not compared to what these games became. 
but they have this open mentality that is like weirdly like freeing or feels really freeing now the ability to get headshots and even just any kinds of shots over like massive distance is just kind of I haven't played anything quite like this in the years since, put it like that. And I would say that the sniping in particular in Far Cry 1 is just some of the best sniping uh, that I've done, I think. The zoom on your standard sniper rifle is something something mental, like 18. We're actually big fans of the zoom of this game, it seems big, to big be. Great zoom. zoom. Great zoom. Big, big zoom, zoom energy. energy. Yeah. And, uh, like, it's like, it's like 20 times zoom or something stupid like that. So if you just go prone and just lie there with the sniper rifle, it's so fun. And uh, one of the things I put in the notes is, <laughs> it's like the only, the only time that, like, being next generation being next gen and having the best graphics and flexing your muscles you know it's a hoary old thing about oh graphics don't make games and they don't you know good mechanics make games and graphics make those mechanics better this is a really good showcase and trust Crytek to be the studio that does it for showing you that like actually sometimes having outrageous technology and graphics at your disposal does make games better and your ability to zoom in real time to someone who's half a mile away um, is as much a graphical accomplishment as it is a mechanical one and the only other sort of time that i've ever really felt that was in like golden eye on the n64 and for anyone who remembers the sniper rifle zoom on that it was a similar thing it was like I can shoot them far away and that's great. But even more amazing is I can see bits of the level in this scope that are not being rendered, that are being rendered in real time. And I can't see those bits when I'm not in the scope. It's like a little portal. Mm -hmm. It's just magic, I think, anyway. This is where the game became fun for me. And I think for anyone that's going into this game for the first time, I just think you're doing yourself a disservice by trying to play it stealth. And that's just the way I felt about it. I thought personally going in fucking John Rambo style guns blazing and just going crazy on it was a lot of fun I think it just it goes that way very quickly for the most part anyway Mm. and there are a lot of sections that you have no other choice but to play that way so Mm. I'm just in my head I think like after a couple of missions I was like fuck this I'm going in make noise have blood scatter around and just let's see how this goes and I think when you do that, it does, like, obviously, it, it causes chaos. But you, you just, as you said, Colin, like, the, the weight and the the kind of, the, the response of the weapons and stuff, you, you've you more fun with that, like, you know, that's there to be used. For fuck's sake, you get rocket launchers. <laughs> How are you supposed to shoot a rocket launcher sneakily? Like, have fun with the game in that sense. I think they really, really do fix the stealth very rapidly mm. going into like Far Cry 2 and mm. um, there's a way more but for Far Cry 1 I just thought like going in all guns blazing was a great time the, the, like the MP5 is your only option when it comes to stealth. so like of the other 9 or 10 weapons in the game they're going to be loud they're going to attract other enemies like I'd love it if I could have used my sniper rifle stealthily as well but yeah. you just can't mm. um, so then you're like well all right, then I guess I'm just going to have some fun with the guns. And it's mostly terrific. Shooting them feels great, as we've said. However, to move on to the next point, it is a shame 
that the enemies also get a kick out of shooting their weapons or get as much of a kick as they do because this game is tough, isn't it? I know we've, we've, yeah. part of that is down to things we've already discussed, like how enemies can sense you from a mile away. Mm. But even in terms of just how much damage you can take, like if you leave yourself exposed for a few seconds, an enemy, like God help you if there's two enemies there, like they'll have you down <laughs> just like that. Like you can pick up armor, which does give you a bit more of a chance, but the lack of, I, I guess, regenerative health means that if you're pinned down, chances are it's like, well, I'm dead now. Not always. Mm. I will say that. Like, I definitely had a few moments where I pulled victory out of nowhere with only like a drop of health left. And it's, it's magic in those instances. <laughs> but on the whole, the balance is skewed too much in favour of the bad guys. Mm. Like, I, I'm not using the lack of regenerative health as a complaint or anything like that, but I, I do believe that some leeway somewhere for the player would have been welcome. It's just, these guys, Josh, they're just, they're very good shots. Like, they're very good. Yeah, they are. And and I, I didn't, I should, uh, before I, I didn't use the AI auto balance setting which is available in the menu which you can neither did i and maybe i should have i, I <laughs> well i don't know i mean maybe maybe we should have uh, i i because what from what i understand it's sort of adaptive and and it, you know if you're struggling it eases up and if you're doing very well it cracks down on you maybe maybe so i was i was i agree 100 percent with you the balance is skewed a lot of the time i think that's uh can be really frustrating, but then there's also a lot of the time when it can make it really, really thrilling and really, really urgent and really, really, oh, mm. fucking hell, um, I'm running low here and, and my, you know, my palms are sweating and I'm eager to, you know, fuck these guys up. And that's like really good. That's kind of what you want in some games. And I will say that, yeah, their perception is stupid, but um, one of the things that's just really impressive, um, AI, like, like sound is just like it just doesn't really it ages very well like graphics they get fucked up when as time passes you know but good mm-hmm. good sound good music you know good writing good acting and good ai in particular keeps a game young i think and just the idea that when you're aiming at a little bastard he knows that you're aiming at him <laughs> and he's going to get behind a little rock and you'll see a little pe- your mm-hmm. little, little glimpse of his arm and you'll try and pop his arm and he shuffles the other way. It's like he, like he knows his arm's sticking mm-hmm. out and that is magic. That's like, oh, bloody hell. F- fair, fair enough, Crytek. Like that sort of responsiveness is... And yes, it... It, it is a, it can be often that that burns you because you think, oh, this is just too fucking tough. But, you know, there are also a lot of shooters where guys just stand still like morons or run at you like idiots, run it into your gunfire. And okay, you never get frustrated with those games, but those games are also sort of numb in some sense. Whereas with Far Cry, I'd say it's just about ish worth the frustration for mm. those moments where you go wow that was clever i completely yeah. agree i think there's just there's quite a bit of trial and error with like each of these sections where you have to figure out like how many enemies are actually here because <laughs> i'm just trying to see through all the green and then you kind of like like all right there's four lads or whatever but i, I do think there's tension i do think there's it, it makes for an exciting kind of shoot out every now and then with certain enemies, especially if you know they're really far away. But yes, they are, like, by God, they are responsive to you as well, as you said, Colm. Like, I think there's moments where, like, 
you could be hiding behind like a wall or something and a strand of Jack's hair will probably stick up and they're <laughs> like they are going in at you like really, really hard. But when you get through it in a kind of a non, holy shit, that was just messy and I just was shooting everywhere. When you kind of get through and it has that tension, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of a satisfying feeling. Mm. It could definitely be a little bit toned down a small bit because... If you are getting hit, by God, you're dead quick. One unrelated thing that I wanted to mention is about the stamina mm-hmm. system. So stamina in games, it's a funny thing anyway. Like some people detest it. They find it a blocker between them and the fun. Others appreciate how you need to like work around the limitations of stamina. Mm. Far Cry has a stamina bar. Uh, for like running and jumping basically <laughs> and like oh god it's muck like it it sits in the bottom right of the screen underneath your health and armor bars and it runs out far far too quickly and it what's actually worse is it takes too long to reach out <laughs> so I last night it was an imperfect science experiment but I timed it at about 10 seconds to run out if you're just holding down the shift holding down the, the sprint button and 10 seconds to recharge now the, the the 10 seconds to recharge is only if you are completely still because mm. if you're continuing to move your bar will recharge but at a much slower pace mm-hmm. and in a game that is so fast paced often like especially if you're in a frantic shootout, it's it's a hindrance, and it it isn't a fun limitation that you're trying to figure out. As I mentioned earlier, like I, I don't know, I I don't typically come down on either side of the the stamina debate. It's rocking the nation daily, <laughs> but like <laughs> like I like I I am a bit of a kind of a case by case depending, but like this one. I think is it's poorly implemented. I agree completely. Mm. Yeah, I think they got the, yeah, got yeah. the timing wrong. I there was way more uh, occasions where I was going, oh, for God's sake, it's run out again. You know, like it, and standing still. And I think also if you go prone, it recharges even quicker than when you're still. Yes, but um, yeah. even then, it's too slow. So yeah, agreed. So that is what we thought of the boom boom. So now let us look at the most noteworthy mission level or area of Far Cry to each of us. And typically, this isn't our favorite, our least favorite. It can be however you want to take it. It's just the 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 level, the mission that stood out to to each of us. As I say, um. Let's kind of go backwards. We've kind of gone from mission 10, 5 and 4. Adam, you start us off with mission 10, which is called Control. This is where all my main problems come into play with this game. Uh, First off, we are back in the whole lab environment with test subjects and stuff. I'm fucking sick of it. I just just get so fucking sick of this kind of setting in a game. However... The biggest issue here is these levels that are very, very confined, indoor situation, completely and utterly feels like a totally different game that you were probably playing for, like, the previous missions, the out in your tropical landscape, and it's all open, you got vehicles, and oh, this is great. This becomes just repetitive and just dull and incredibly challenging because in this particular level, it's not only overrun with enemies and trigens 
and they're all on you. Like they all know that you're here, no matter where or what way you approach it. They know you're in this building. And this is the level that you get introduced to the the giant trigen who fires rockets. Mm. And there is, when you come across him, you walk into the room. It is such an awkward area to try and get around and kill these lads. <laughs> and like, for, for people who don't know what the tritons actually kind of do, they are climbing everything they're just like bouncing and leaping and so it's just <laughs> carnage and then your man is just like fucking nemesis just laying off all these go- like rockets and stuff at you and it's a complete mess and it results the whole mission results in a situation where and this happens in a lot of games this like this isn't just a far cry situation but this is kind of more of an older kind of back in the day thing where you open the door Bullets flying at you. You you just take a load of shots yourself and you step back, let door close, give it two seconds, open it and repeat the whole thing again and you're just hoping that you're getting enemies. There's no skill. There is no skill involved here. This is pure and utter like hope for the best, go mental. But when I'm saying that like going guns blazing in Far Cry is a lot of fun, it's only fun when you're outside. Mm. Indoors, Every single indoor section, actually, no, incorrect. I will, I will say the last level is outdoors. That's awful. But <laughs> every indoor level of this game is pure dog shit. Pure dog shit. So the, the level that I have chosen, chosen, the mission is mission five, which is called research. And I've chosen this level because this is the one where everything clicked for me. Uh, I, I definitely had moments in your level, Josh, which is the one previously, Mission 4. Mm. But this one, Mission 5, it just, yeah, it all fell into place. And I had prolonged sections where it felt like the game was behaving the way I wanted it to. And a large part of that is the first section of the level. It's the classic jungle as you mentioned Adam the outdoor Far Cry environment and this is where I really first got to use my MP5 I spoke about it earlier but like this is where I was able to I was like crouched down in the foliage that meant nothing and I learned that I think probably in this area as well but I I was able to do I was able to take out enemies from afar with my gun and I was like oh my god it's working. I'm headshotting guys. <laughs> and that's him. Brilliant. Oh, there's another lad over there. I'll get him. Okay, cool. That allows me to advance a little bit more. This is great because I think up to this point, I tried to do what you mentioned, Josh, with the, the, the silent takedowns with your machete. Like a staple of Far Cry now. Mm-hmm. Back then, I, I was just, I kept on failing, sneaking up behind him and knifing him in the back. It just never, they always heard me, even when I was crouching. But like here with the MP5, I was like, oh yes, this is it. Now we're talking. So like it just, it allowed me to snipe my enemies from afar and to progress. And I was just really enjoying it. And then you have the second half of the level, which is when you're in an underground cave where... But I guess it it shows off the corridor shooter aspects of Far Cry. Mm. And I agree with what you said, Adam, is like when it's just that, it's too much. 
But here, when you have the compliment of, I suppose, what I spoke about in like the first half, this feels great because it feels like you're letting off steam after you've like successfully, you're you're going stealth and you're going boom, boom. Like it it complements each other. Mm. And I guess that's why I was getting so frustrated at how uh, there isn't more of this really. You know, but I, I kind of don't want to go over mm-hmm. all ground. But th- that's definitely the mission that stood out to me. Josh, I, I got a little bit of that from your mission, which was the the one previously, mission four. Yeah, I think it was called, it's called Pia. And it's all you have to do is find the mercenary camp. But it put me in a really good mood and it represents... I purposefully picked it because it only really had the positive stuff here. I picked it because I kind of thought, this is everything that's fucking great about Far Cry and loads of the stuff in this particular bit carried forward into future games. And whenever I think about Far Cry, especially Far Cry 1, I just think about it and smile and think, wow, what a fucking amazing game. And that, and But, but the reason I'm, I'm being cheeky and picking a thing with only good bits is that like... It's interesting that like when time passes, I forget all the bad stuff about Far Cry, which is all the stuff that you guys, have, well, that we've all touched on. It's the bit that you remember is this mission four bit and the bit that you forget is all the other bits. So the thing, so the thing that you do here, you have a really, really massive environment and a really simple objective is just find the mercenary camp. And it's kind of a snapshot of what makes Far Cry brilliant. It's a big mountain range, uh, really jungly, and it looks really incredible. The draw distance is just nuts. The graphics are like a real wow moment. Like uh, like even now, when I got to this bit, you, you you get out onto this like ridge, and it's like twenty years later, and and I'm and I'm playing on like all max graphic settings and stuff, and I just it proper like shit. I just stopped and looked around at how nuts it looked. You've got like it's kind of linear really like far cry pulls off like a cool trick where it kind of makes you think it's it's really open and stuff but actually it's quite linear and it it reminds me the most of like the first halo in that regard it's like oh wow i'm in this massive thing and it's so big that i can even drive a warthog but but actually you start off at a and you've got to get to b and yeah you can dick about a lot before you get to b but ultimately it's it's a linear sort of trick but it works very well and the whole thing with this uh thing is that you see a hang glider on the cliff and i was sort of smirking from ear to ear when i saw it because i just thought oh i'm definitely going to get to go on that hang glider and i forgot it was in the game and just had this great moment of just walking up to the hang glider and seeing the little thing flash up to click on it and just thinking, yeah, because I was worried for a second it was only going to be set dressing. You just show me this hang glider, but I can't use it. But you can. And you jump off the cliff and you start flying and you can look around while you're just gliding whichever way you want. And it's just this feeling of amazing freedom. And then you fight a helicopter which <laughs> which is quite difficult <laughs> because the controls are slightly odd you sort of use the wazd to like move but then the mouse to look around which is you know as you would expect but when wazd is controlling a hang glider and looking around is looking around while you're on a hang glider and trying to shoot a gun at a helicopter that's trying to kill you it becomes a little bit more complicated and it was a tough fight but it gives you so many different ways to do it like first of all i just tried flying around like a maniac and trying to lose the helicopter which didn't work and then i tried to hunt the helicopter 
helicopter and go after it and shoot it like a bastard, uh, which didn't really work. At one point, the helicopter shot me and I fell off the hand glider and I was in free fall and I was falling at the same speed as the hand glider and ju- or like slightly quicker than it, caught up with the hand glider that was now below me and clicked the interact button and got back into the hand glider in midair and was able to recover and carry on shooting. One of the best things that's happened to me in games this year. I thought it was amazing. And also you can just land on a mad little mountain and sort of evade the helicopter, go into the jungle so it can't see you and try shooting it from the from the ground. It's just bonkers. And and the verticality is just re- like just ridiculous, like proper mountains and tracks and jungles and gullies. And uh, yeah, I just thought in a nutshell, that's it. That's the snapshot. That's the postcard. That is the pitch. That's Far Cry. That's that's why it, what it was then. And even now in its heavily diluted sort of bastardized form, that is still the promise of this whole series, I think. So those are the missions that stood out to each of us and also, yes, what we thought of the Boom Boom. So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about any miscellaneous bits that haven't fit into anywhere else, as well as what we thought of the narrative of Far Cry and its protagonist, Jack Carver. So we'll be back right after this. All right, then. Let us continue where we left off, I guess. Well, not really where we left off. We've finished talking about... <laughs> Let's talk about different things uh, relating to Far Cry. Uh, firstly, let us talk about the narrative of this very video game. <laughs> wow, we have a lot to cover here. <laughs> but first, let us start, I suppose, at the very beginning. And Josh, I'm going to give you the tall task of trying to explain what the beginning of Far Cry is and why it is so shit. (laughs) Okay, so the beginning that you don't get in the game, and I'll give you it here, like a little treat, is that uh, Jack Carver uh, is a disgraced army person. um, Or is he just disgraced or did he just leave? We covered this earlier and I can't even remember what we said. Um, (laughs) He left the army anyway, and he uh, runs a boat thing, ferry and tourists about, and he, a journalist, asks for help. So he uh, goes to an island. She says, I want to go to that island. He says, fine, we'll go there. They do go there. Uh, Someone off the shoreline RPGs the boat, uh, although the journalist lady gets on a jet ski. She fucks off. Jack's on the boat. He's chilling. Boat gets blown up by an RPG. He lands in the water, um, survives the blast, swims ashore, and there ensues the epic of survival and struggle that is Far Cry 1. But that's not what you get in the game. In the game, you get some some absolute nuttiness. It is it is it a drug trip? I don't know. Is it a hallucination? I don't know. We see Jack <laughs> clinging to the mast of his boat. We see Jack in the water, uh, floating. We see the boat uh, with the camera zooms in to the name of the boat, the Medusa. And uh, that's fine. But, oh no, wait, (laughs) hang on. No, it's blown up. And the Medusa is on a plank of wood floating in the water. It's been blown to smithereens. Then Jack's in the jungle, fl- f- uh, floating in the water, and he's and a load of monsters attack him. They look like ghosts, and he's tripping out. But there and then, it's like it runs in reverse, and time rewinds, and 
the camera seems to pan from right to left and we see Jack coming to the island again or something like that famous trailer for Dead Island 2 where everything played in mm-hmm. reverse except yep. I don't even know if it's in reverse because we started in the middle and then we went right and now we're going left and but uh, so right off the bat you're completely on the back foot you don't know who he is or why he dresses like an idiot you don't know who she is or why she got on a jet ski and fucked off you don't really know the order of events. I mean, I guess it would, you know, the boat would have have to gotten blown up second. And it's just a mess. It's, it's a mess. And and you, you start the game. I started the game just laughing and I had to, well, I didn't go on Wikipedia actually. I thought, no, that's not fair. I'm going to stay with this and try to piece this together. So yeah, there you go. That's the beginning of Far Cry, <laughs> the abridged version. It sucks. But it's sort of funny. But what's going on is absolute bollocks. And that's Far Cry as well, in a nutshell. It communicates <laughs> the beginning of the game terribly. <laughs> like, it's awful. You're going, who's he? Who's she? What's happening? Yeah. Oh, my God, the boat is blown up. <laughs> and yeah, as you say, it's like, oh, hang on, this is in reverse. Or is it? Uh, what's going on? Logo. And you're like, uh, all right. All right, cool. <laughs> okay, 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 I guess. It's very, very, very bad. And that links us nicely, I suppose, to talk about the wider story, which is very, very bad. Yep. It's awful. Mm. Awful. Awful, <laughs> awful plot, awful characters, awful voice acting, just awful, awful, awful. Yet, yet, dear listener and lads, I have to say, I kind of liked it. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say It passes that threshold from just bad to so bad it's good. And that's a, that's a fine line. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think Far Cry does it. Like, because Far Cry was making me laugh from the first time protagonist Jack Carver opened his mouth. Yes. And I understand that's not the desired effect, but look, we're here, so we might as well go with it. <laughs> like, and we are going to talk about some of the lines that Carver delivers in a, mi- in a, in a minute and Carver more as a character. Uh, so yeah, we will get to that. But to wet your whistle, here is the first time you hear Jack Carver speak. It's like super, super early. I don't know, first kind of five, ten minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Uh, you fi- As Carver, you find a walkie-talkie PDA thing, which Harlan Doyle speaks to you on. Doyle is the guy... He's your your Atlas, I guess, from Bioshock in that he's helping you along the way. But spoilers for Bioshock, I guess, in case I, I've, I've, you weren't expecting that in the Far Cry podcast. <laughs> Doyle also double crosses you near the end. So just take a listen to this. And this is, yeah, the first time you hear Jack Carver speak. And it's when you hear his voice, you kind of go, okay, all right. So this is what we're going for. Cool. And I was kind of on the ride. So yeah, take a listen to this. Hello? Are you there? Pick up the radio if you can hear this. I know you're there. I've been tracking you since you and Val arrived. Who are you? I'm the guy who's going to tell you how to survive. Call me Doyle. How do I know I can trust you? Well, for starters, how about the fact that I haven't turned you in? That radio has a bio-reader. Since I know you're there, I could have ratted you out already. Good point. Keep talking. Listen, you need to get out of there and quickly. 
I'll help you as much as possible, but you don't have much time. There's an exit that will lead to a small camp. Be careful as you go. This area is crawling with mercenaries. By the way, name's Jack Carver. <laughs> Just by, by the way. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about Carver in a sec, but like, just the, the, the story. Oh, man. Like, I, I, the, the listeners heard it earlier, but like, it's cliche after cliche. Mm. With like, you have the mad scientist that wants to take over the world. Uh, you have the damsel in distress who, I don't know why she's the damsel in distress, because even when they introduce her, they make a point of letting us know she's well able to look after herself. Yeah. Like, but for some reason, she keeps getting captured. Uh, you obviously have, as I mentioned, the double cross of the guy on the radio, which in fairness, I will say, I didn't see that right away, but I mean, mm. even his reasoning for it is <laughs> super wishy-washy. <laughs> but I do want to go back to that mad scientist, Krieger, and quite possibly... The stars of the whole thing, if you put Jack Harvard to one side, the Trigens. Because what in the name of God, I know we've spoken about him a lot, but even just, just, just Krieger, I guess. Like this guy has created a mutagen that, is, that he's testing on chimps and monkeys <laughs> and then humans. And he has put some of his DNA in there so he'll be able to mind control that? That's sort of the implication, yeah. I, I, and that's how genetics works. So don't argue with I, it. I believe so. It's real top, 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 top notch stuff. Like th- there is a moment where the character of Krieger, the big bad, becomes a Trigen. But I feel... <laughs> feel that for the actor playing Krieger, the real uh, kind of moment he is building up to is the moment in a helicopter. So in this moment, Valerie and Jack have, they've set off the the tiny nuke Mm. and they've been kidnapped by (laughs) Krieger and his goons who are flying over the island on a helicopter. And while flying, Krieger begins to tell Jack why the Trigens are brilliant and how they're going to help him take over the world. And then he kicks Jack off the helicopter. I said about how he fell like 100 feet or maybe more and how did he survive it. But another thing actually that's come to me is like, why did he even put him on the helicopter if he was just going to kick him off anyway? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. what, what, what He's what got a flair for dramatics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he most certainly does. So this is a clip of Krieger explaining the Trigens and how he's going to take over the world to Jack. This is fantastic. So take a listen to this. Jack, take a look into the future. Nature has failed mankind. Mere humans like you are about to be obsolete. I've only taken a few thousand years of evolution and put it into a test tube. Survival of the fittest. Good luck. Unbelievable. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the sound mix as well. Like he's, he's like shouting above the insane. Insane music and sound effects. <laughs> oh, oh, it's top stuff. The real shame is that there actually isn't more of this. No, that's true, actually. Yeah, like, yeah. I could have really done 
with more of this absolute bullshit from the characters. Honest to God, there isn't enough of it. No, you're right. Yeah, you almost wish for... They were all about the gameplay back in 04, and it's like, actually, mm. no, shoehorn in a, f- a, few, <laughs> a few more rubbish cutscenes, please. <laughs> would, would have loved it. Yeah. Adam, did, did it pass uh, over this so bad it's good, or were you like, no, I'm I'm not enjoying this? No, I wasn't enjoying this at all. <laughs> oh, Adam, you <laughs> killed Joy. Did you not just hear the man on the helicopter look but as you said there wasn't enough of that like when I hear that scene I'm like yeah that is funny and I laughed so hard when it was not once but the second time he got kicked out of a helicopter again I was like this is fucking brilliant Mm. immediately like this is so funny that he's gotten kicked out again and then like the general opening was so batshit with all of them on the radio talking. Like, there's fierce talk about his shirt for the first opening. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, fierce talk about, we got to cover up that shirt. We got to cover up that shirt there, Jack. And then they just try and invest on him. And that's it sorted. But like, it's, it's a terrible story. It's a terrible story. Like, God almighty. It's, as you say, Colin, like, I understand what you're saying. It's so bad. It's good. But like, it actually needed to be worse. Like, it, it, for me to be like, ah, oh, it's good. Like it just, it needed to be more just off the wall delivery from everyone. And because like the moments of like, like the acting in general is it's, it's aside from Jack, everyone's and aside from Jack and and, uh, the villain, like everyone's just bad. Yeah, that that's fair. The like Valerie and Doyle aren't kind of over the top, I guess. And if they were over the top, I'd be like, all right, this is just, oh, everyone's <laughs> going for it. And that would be entertaining, but unfortunately, it's not everyone. One thing in our doc here, Josh, you've written is that Crytek has a problem with the second half of their games. It's a weird thing, right? But like, and it's not false advertising because they do advertise it a bit. And we've sort of touched on it on the back of the box thing. But every time, like... They have this thing where the thing that you think of with that game and the thing that is on the front cover and the thing that, you know, people kind of know about it is only ever like half of the game. And the story, it's like, you think of Far Cry and you think, oh yeah, it's the jungle, it's the guy, He's on, is he on holiday? Who fucking knows what he's doing? He's in the jungle, he's doing stuff. And that's Far Cry. And then you forget, like... Well, I'll never forget it now, but for years you sort of forget, mm-hmm. oh no, actually, no, no, it, that's not everything that it is because, and it's only half, and I had a real problem with the pacing of this game because of this. It's like, no, no, halfway through, it's actually Monkey Men and far less of the jungle, loads of it, just sort of like a weird version of Doom 3, just like a flashlight mm-hmm. and load of labs. And actually it's not about the freedom, it's something else entirely. And... Yeah, and and what that happened only about there's like twenty missions in this game, and it was around about mission ten when we started going into those research labs, and I like deep under the you know, and I was like, oh, this game must be you know drawing to a close. No, 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 uh, you know, actually, you got another ten bloody levels of this. It really throws off their pacing. Exactly the same thing happened in Crisis, 
You know, you think about Crisis, you think, oh, it's the invisible dudes going around the jungle. It's kind of Far Cry again, but he's got a super suit on. That's cool. And again, it's like, no, 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 don't, don't forget about the alien robot squids and the and the second half where you're in a spaceship. Like, no one thinks of that when they think of Crisis. But, and it was the same with, uh, weirdly enough, it's the same with Haze as well. No one remembers Haze, but if, you know, you remember that, the whole thing with Haze, you're a uh, troopers, you take this drug, which makes you a super soldier. But it's like, no, no, yeah, actually, you, you know, you're, you're only that for like two levels and then you stop being a soldier and you go and join the rebels. Weirdly, that was made by the people who made Time Splitters, who then became Crytek UK. So maybe that's a slightly different point. Or maybe they were drawn to Crytek because they were like, hey, we also fuck the second half of our games. <laughs> but, but it's just a weird thing I've noticed with, with Crytek. It's like you always remember the one half of their games and they, and the story is generally what takes them to the weird half. And it often throws their, for me, I don't know about you guys. I thought it was too long. And the reason I thought Far Cry was too long was because of that weird structure of the pacing was because of, Oh, this must be winding down. Nope. Nope. Not winding down at all. And that's, that's what kind of made it drag. Mm. The story throws them off a bit, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think it is, yeah. too, it is too long. And maybe that is the story, them trying to artificially bloat it, I guess. But unlike, again, more modern Far Cry's, like you're not hunting, you're not doing side quests, you're not doing outposts, you're not doing platforming towers, you're not doing mini games, you're not doing any <laughs> of the things that make up a modern Far Cry. Mm. And it, it just, yeah, the story as well it, it does go on too long like mm. it's because you're doing the same thing over and over and there isn't variation and yes the shooting is good as as already mentioned but like it doesn't need to be as long as it is <laughs> no certainly not but i guess my knowledge of far cry before going into this was oh it's a jungle yeah i have no uh, history with the first far cry mm. like i came into the series in three and have played all of them since mm-hmm. but i know history with the first one so when <laughs> when the Tritons rock up, I'm like, hang up. This isn't what was advertised, was it? <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was interesting earlier when you were talking about the back of the box, because I, I, I sort of looked and I thought, oh, they do, in fairness to them, they do hint at it on the back of the box. There's that screenshot with the fellow in a lab. So you sort of think, oh, well, it's okay. Well, it's not all jungle then. But you don't realise, no, actually half of it is not jungle. <laughs> it's not jungle. But uh, we've danced around it for long enough. Let's get into the Carver zone. <laughs> Not even who is Jack Carver. What, what? is Jack Carver? <laughs> A mind-boggling performance. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's because of direction or if the actor <laughs> felt the character had a certain persona and just went for it, but it is legitimately baffling. His inflection changes in a heartbeat and he speaks in this really slowed down, over-exaggerated fashion yeah. that only serves to make everything he says that bit funnier. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I obviously have clips uh, because there's no way you can experience a character like Jack Carver and not share him with the world. So you've already heard his introduction. What I'll play now is a conversation that Jack is having with Valerie. Uh, She's laying out a plan of attack for them to get the nuke they need, which we discussed earlier. And that's kind of all you need to know. So listen to this and hear how quickly Jack's tone changes. It's wild. Here's what we need to do. 
Jack, you get the fun part. You're going to sneak into the camp and clear away from me. Once inside, I should be able to hack their security grid so we can infiltrate the main camp and grab the nuke. Whoa, I'm not touching a nuke. Not even a little tiny one. Nobody's asking you to, tough guy. I'm qualified to arm it. All you have to do is get me in there. You're full of surprises, lady. What? <laughs> <laughs> he's just having a good time, you know? He's, he's on, he yeah. is on holiday. He's just watching everything happen. Yeah. Like, I'm a tourist here. This is fucking nuts. But I'm not oh. touching a nuke. <laughs> he reminds me of Duke Nukem, actually. Yes, yes. That all came to my head. Yeah. But unintentional Duke Nukem. Unintentional is, is, Duke know? Nukem. And he doesn't even want to touch the nuke. I do have another clip. You have most of the color you need, really. Like, the, this occurs after they have the nuke. You'll hear Doyle, the man on the radio, tell Jack that he and Valerie should probably get their hands on a form of antidote in case the nuclear blast goes wrong and they're infected with the Trigen mutagen. Uh, this is mostly building up to a final line from Jack. So take a listen to this. When that nuke detonates, it could cause all sorts of strange things to happen. What I'm trying to say is that you might be in danger of being affected by the mutagen. You might want to take some precautions. Precautions? Like not blowing up a nuclear weapon while I'm standing right next to it? I'm dead serious. You should be able to find a serum used as an inoculation in the compound. They usually keep a good supply there. Let's prep the nuke, and then we can go grab the serum. What is this? A bad spy movie? You two are going to get us all killed. <laughs> what a magic line read. Oh, I'm a big fan of just sh just shouting. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic stuff. And one last clip. The setup here is that Jack and Valerie have just learned that Doyle has double-crossed them and both of our heroes are now infected and they're going to become Trijans. And Doyle is, uh, he always oh, a baddie and he's going to sell the mutagen and make loads of money off it. You'll get most of that from the clip anyway. But just listen to Jack here. This is incredible stuff. Working for the government taught me that where there's a weapon, there's money to be made. Why didn't you just kill Krieger yourself? The Trijans are fiercely loyal and you just killed their father. I'd love to see how they take the news, but I've got a super mutagen to sell. Doyle, unless you give us the antidote, you're not leaving this island alive. Now, I know you won't believe me until I've got a gun pointed at your head, but it's true. Sorry, Jack, I'm gonna need it. Forgive me if I don't shake your hand. It's true. <laughs> he sort of runs out of breath and then just launches into a second wind, just shouting. It's He's, he, he's the best protagonist because by the way none of the Far Cry games have great protagonists they're all just kind of nothing right correct he's got Summit you're not going to forget about Jack Carver are you genuinely like he's up there with Eric yeah. Eric Bain for <laughs> Eric me Bain. Like, Jack and Eric on a little holiday together I know he you, you quite enjoyed his kind of his final line as well Adam or his final scene with Doyle his fi final line as you can imagine from what the listeners have heard <laughs> how he sounds and how he says things the final thing he says is stupid bastard. <laughs> and it just, it's such a send off for the character. You're just like, oh, brilliant. Always up to this point. It's just brilliant. He's shot, or he, I think it's just after he shoots Doyle. And yeah, he just calls him a stupid bastard. Mm, oh, it's magic. Yeah. And in fact, we can let the listener hear it. Stupid bastard. <laughs> <laughs> also, right, 
do you guys know that Jack is the villain of Far Cry 2? No. What? The villain of Far Cry 2 is called the Jackal. And it's it's referenced in game that he used to be used to be a, a like an arms runner, a gun runner sort of thing, which is mm-hmm. sort of what Jack's backstory is here. His character skin in the files of Far Cry 2, if you go to the Jackal character skin, it's called Jack Carver. And it was in, there's a line of dialogue somewhere that says that he that references his island struggles. I think it's in one of the Jackal's audio diaries or something. And then his decision to become an arms dealer after that. And it it, it was a fan theory for ages. People were like, this is nuts. Like, is it like, you know, Jack the Jackal? Like, why? And why is he called that in the files? Clint Hawking confirmed this theory in an interview with, uh, I think it was Polygon or, or Game Informer. And, it, and they were like, look, this has been going on for long enough. There's this nuts fan theory. It, is it Jack Carver? And he was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll confirm that fan theory now. Like, huh. that's why it's called Jack Carver in the Files. I wrote this whole thing of what he did after the first Far Cry. You know, all of that stuff. So, yeah, if if you ever thought, you know, Amazing. Far Cry 2's got a good villain. Well, no, it doesn't. Technically, it's got Jack Carver as the villain. <laughs> that's that's fascinating. No, I, I, I didn't know that. Uh, so that is what we thought of the story of Far Cry. And this is the part of the review where we just kind of a little miscellaneous section where we hoover up any final bits. Josh, I know you just wanted to... To talk about the PDA for a bit. I did, I did. And also just quickly, because well, you've just reminded me of something and I forgot to write it down, uh, but there's a great line of dialogue that Doyle says to Jack when they find that, you know, the lab that's on the volcano sort of thing towards mm-hmm. the end of the game. And the Doyle says that the, the, the Krieger is uh, keeping the volcano from erupting by using some sort of massive stabiliser. <laughs> Which, guys, the guy's cracked it, you know. Don't worry, if you're living near a volcano, don't worry. Just get yourself a massive stabiliser and you'll be fine. I love that. It's such bollocks. But yeah, the thing I wrote down was um, I adore... Uh, it's a really specific thing and it used to happen loads in the early 2000s, but just like tech in movies and stuff that is just the right flavor of stupid and which kind of looked cool like ages ago. But then when we just got real life versions of that tech, it now looks really hilarious. And I love the little, it's like a PDA uh, that Jack's got that he talks to Doyle on and well, it's a phone PDA. It's a PDA phone. It's a pre-smartphone smart device, which seems to be a flip device. And it has a video screen. It looks fucking insane. It looks like something from the Matrix trilogy that they'd have in the real world, like not in the Matrix. It looks like a weird gizmo. So 2004. And it basically lets him do FaceTime. Um, at, but it doesn't really make any sense because... That tech didn't exist then and nobody says anything about it. I guess you just say, "Eh, it's a high-tech research facility, whatever. But when he meets Doyle, this is the bit I don't understand. When Jack meets Doyle at one point and Doyle gives him a lift on a boat and and he says when he sees Doyle, who are you? Like he doesn't know who he is. (laughs) And And it's like... Is is it a video capable device or not? Because we can see Doyle on the screen. Are you just and in the cutscenes, Jack doesn't really look at the device. Like Doyle just talks to him, and Jack just looks around the room he's in. 
Like he doesn't look down into the fucking screen. It, it, stuff like that. It fascinates me. I've got to know it. It's just the right side of mental that it really bothers you. Once you've noticed it, it really bothers you. But yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> I forgot he said. <laughs> doesn't doesn't recognise him. Doesn't recognise him. Unbelievable. Oh, outstanding. So that is what we thought of the the story and just any other thing we have we have to add at the end there on the PDA, which means that is what we thought of Far Cry. So we are going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and give Far Cry our rating in a segment we like to call The Verdict. So we'll be back right after this. All right, then. This is the part of the show, as I said, that we call The Verdict, where we give you our final ratings of Far Cry, the video game, not the Uwe Boll film. Maybe that's a separate review. I'm sure it's just as wonderful. <laughs> but yes, before we give our final ratings, uh, let us look at what some of the critics were saying about Far Cry around the time it came out. So our first review here is from Kristen Reed, who reviewed it for Eurogamer and gave it uh, 8 out of 10. And Reed said, quote, In the final analysis... It just maybe lacks the creative edge and imagination that would have catapulted it into classic territory. Far Cry is a beautiful looking game, but in this case, looks aren't everything. Another review here from Sal Accardo for GameSpy and gave it 4.5 out of 5. And Accardo said, quote, An impressive combination of stellar graphics, open-ended gameplay and effective AI make Crytek's rookie release a rare shooter worth playing again and again. Another review here on GameSpot from Jason Ocampo gave it 9.2 out of 10. And Ocampo said, quote, Far Cry isn't just a stunning technical accomplishment. It's quite possibly the best single-player first-person shooter experience for the PC. Since Half-Life. Matthew Cato then of Game Informer gave Far Cry 9.25 out of 10. And Cato said, quote, The best, most polished single player FPS in a heck of a long time, maybe ever. And the multiplayer ain't half bad either. And uh, our final review published in Edge, uh, obviously don't know who the critic is because they don't give bylines, gave it 8 out of 10. And Edge said, quote, For a new developer to arrive with a game that excels in as many categories as Far Cry is a rare thing indeed. This is a uniquely beguiling game and frequently beautiful in every sense. So that's what all the critics were saying at the time. But lads, none of those opinions matter. The only opinions that matter on Stealth Boom Boom are Adam's, Josh's and mine as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Far Cry. So how this works is that each of us will give Far Cry a rating. That rating is either a pass, a play or an espionage explosion. One, two, three. A pass, we don't think you should play this game. A play, we think you should play this game. Or an espionage explosion, we really think you should play this game. All rationale for ratings is entirely up to whomever is bestowing the badge of approval slash disapproval. And we change the order of badge bestowers on each episode. And this week, the order is as follows. It is going to go Adam, Josh, and then Cullum. And just before we bestow the badges, one thing that was pointed out in one of those reviews that I guess we have neglected to mention over the past couple of hours is that we didn't play the multiplayer because you can't play the multiplayer 
So <laughs> just wanted to point that out. That's why we haven't said a single thing about it. We've just focused on on the single player. But yes, Adam, please do summarise your thoughts on Far Cry and give us your rating. Like, look, there's no denying that the game um, really set off the series strong enough. I think, like, the, like as, a, as a starting point, there's no denying that, like, it's impressive looking. It still looks quite impressive, to be honest. And, like, back then, it was probably unbelievable. Um, I still think the gameplay itself, when it's the boom boom, as we've said much of, it is it is strong. It is fun, difficult, but you know, there's good uh there's good entertainment out of the weapons that you get and stuff. I really still stand by the whole thing. The stealth I think is atrocious. I think the story is atrocious. For me, coming away from this, I'm happy I played it. Can I recommend it in 2023? Uh, no, I really can't. I don't think it does enough to do that whole it's so bad, it's good thing in its story. And um, the fact that the stealth just falls in its arse, it just, it's just not really doing it right there. So for me, this is a pass. Josh Wise, what say you? I am the nod on this, but I think it's going to be a play from me. Um, I think... I agree with like most of that stuff. I'd say, yeah, it's it airs on the side of frustration a lot. Um, but there are also some really amazing moments in it. And there's stuff here that they, that would sort of never really go on to be in fact, there's a kind of style to this one that was never in really in any of the other ones. And yeah, it, it's, there are still wow moments in this game, like graphically. And it was just in terms of its design. You know, you get to some some areas in the game, you just think, geez, you know, I can get on a boat and go and pootle about and explore some random island all the way over there. You know, real, real cool moments. So, but a lot of frustration. The Trigen are fucked. Uh, they are some of the worst enemies in games ever. But that first half of the game... You know, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. And, and if you've got a PC now, you, if you, the, the good thing about this game is if you're recommending it to anyone now, at least what you can do is say, well, look, sort of any PC now will eat this up on highest possible graphical settings. So at mm. least you could say to someone, well, look, check it out for an hour because the water effects are still fucking mental. So, yeah. Not an espionage explosion, partly because the stealth is is flawed. I agree with uh, everyone on that, but a play. So, oh god, I I um denied on this one as well. This is this is a really tricky one. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the story is rubbish, but like Jack Harver just he he does elevate it, like unintentionally again, but like like it has a a room. Or I should specify the room, <laughs> not, not a room. But it 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 has a the room like quality to it, and yeah, like Jack Carver and the way I said Eric Bain, like I like I I won't forget Jack Carver. Whereas if you compare him <laughs> to somebody from a couple of weeks ago, like a or a couple of episodes ago, like a Ben Saxon, like Ben Saxon was boring. Yeah. Whereas Jack Carver <laughs> yeah. is certainly not boring, and the Trigens in that story certainly aren't boring, and Krieger. But I yeah, I I did want. 
more of it because it would have broken up the length of this game as well. It it is as I mentioned earlier. You mentioned first, Josh. Like it is. It's 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 too long. It's too long. The stealth is rubbish. It's maybe the worst. Uh, is there maybe the worst stealth? that we have encountered thus far, perhaps off the top of my head? Probably up to this point, I would confidently say yes. Whereas, yes, the the, the shooting is, when it's good, it's it's good, yeah, you know? Yeah, and for I, sure. I, like, I, I mentioned that, that level where I was able to use my MP5 and I was like, this is what, I, I, I want more of this and the game didn't want to give me an awful lot more. And as you said, like the second half and it, goes into the labs and the trigens and you're going, hang on a second, they have stealth camo now. All right, lads jumping the sides of buildings. <laughs> Taking all that into account. I, and I, I, I really, really mean this. It, it was a toughie. And perhaps if there was a, a rating in the middle, and I don't know, I've said this numerous times on the podcast, maybe for year two, we will have a look at our rating system perhaps. But ultimately, for me, Far Cry is a pass. It's a teetering one. Oh, that's close. Yeah, I can tell that's really on the line for you. And it's on the line, even though, as I said, the stealth is rubbish. Mm. <laughs> it's rubbish. But <laughs> yeah. other parts of it do elevate it. But it's like, ultimately, ultimately, I am going like, I, I you know, Jack Carver is a memory I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are certainly parts of this game that I would like to forget. So that is what we thought of Far Cry. So put that to the back of your minds, lads, because right now we need to look to the next game we're going to be talking about here on Stealth Boom Boom, because the next game we're going to be talking about had Justin Calvert of GameSpot saying, quote, Everything about this game, the impressive visuals, stirring soundtracks, superb voice acting, fiendish puzzles, heart-hitting combat, feels like it has been lovingly crafted by a development team that's both knowledgeable and passionate about the source material. Tom Ari of Video Gamer said, quote, Whether you fancy skulking in the shadows, smashing slow-motion fists into a goon's skull, or simply using some cool gadgets, you can do no wrong with this. And Greg Miller of IGN said, quote, This game is the greatest comic book video game of all time. You probably have a fair idea by now, but to make it all official, we are going back to 2009 to look at our first licensed video game. Not a tie-in, but, you know, a licensed video game nonetheless. Yes, on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we are going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting Batman Arkham Asylum. Look at all this new security. How's a guy supposed to break out of here? Don't be a stranger. He surrendered almost without a fight. I don't like it. At least he's back where he belongs. Get up! I set a trap and you sprang it gloriously! Now let's get this party started! <laughs> There's no escape, Joker. I don't want to escape. I'm having way too much fun. 
Joker. Over? Why, my dear delusional Dark Knight. It hasn't even begun. <laughs> game after big game here on Stealth Boom Boom. I am going to take a wild stab in the dark that each of us have played Batman Arkham Asylum. Josh Wise, have you played uh, Batman Arkham Asylum? I have. I have played it loads. Okay, okay. And Adam Carroll, I guess the listener will find out in two weeks' time that you are a Batman nut and I guess have played Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah, if somebody said to me, top 10 things in life, Batman would be in there. Absolutely (laughs) massive. Big deal when this game dropped. Okay, very good. (laughs) And yes, I too have played it. So yeah, we'll be back in two weeks' time to talk about that. It's available on pretty much everything and I think it's been like remastered loads of times as well. So if you want to play along at home, get that played and come back to us in two weeks' time when we will tell you our 2023 thoughts of this game that introduced so many things like yeah detective mode and the melee system and all that and what was it was it was uh, on the gargoyles it's called predator mode yeah the predator predator sections yeah so look forward to all of that but that indeed just about does it for this episode of stealth boom boom thank you very much dear listener for listening of course you can subscribe to our lovely little podcast via all your podcasting apps such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Just search for us on there and you will find us. Also, please do, and this does make a difference, please do rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Uh, five stars and just, I don't know, write a review saying, God, these lads are brilliant! And then 11 exclamation marks. That would be pretty good. You can also follow Stealth Boom Boom on all of your favourite social networks. Just search for Stealth Boom Boom and you'll find us there. You can also follow all of us. I am at Cullum underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes. And Josh is at Joshy Wise. But now it is time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where I bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye. Say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Jack Carver. Stupid bastard. And say goodbye, Colin Mahern. <laughs> Sloan. Go forward.